This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah! Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah! But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. I'm Jim, and Aaron's not here today. He's out vacationing in the hot and muggy, I'm sure, even though it's March or April now. Uh, Florida. So we've got a guest with us today, very special guest, guest you might be familiar with uh, if you've been listening to Bald Move for a while, because he's been on the shows before. It's Jason from Podcastica. Hey, Jason, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for asking me to come on. I'm honored to be a fill-in member of the Tribe of Two. No problem. Uh, Mandalorians uh, he... have a good temp agency, and I responded. <laughs> I was going to ask, are you wearing your helmet? Because if not, we no, have to cancel I, this podcast. Yeah, I'm not that too devout. Sorry. Okay. I guess we I'm can more, make an exception. Yeah, like Bo-Katan style. Which, I mean, I really think that Bo-Katan should have at least been wearing her helmet in a fight to the death. At the end there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's a clunky thing. You don't always carry it with you when you're not wearing it. So I guess so. It doesn't really fit in your purse. So... I asked you to come on this podcast to fill in for Aaron because uh, you also have a Mandalorian podcast. You're covering it too, uh, so yeah. I figured it'd be pretty easy for you. Where? What is that? Where can people find it? All that good stuff. Well, I'm part of the Podcastica network at podcastica.com. All our shows are there. We have a show called the Star Wars TV Cast where we covered Mandalorian, uh, Book of Boba Fett, and we'll be doing some of the other shows coming up. I don't know if we'll be doing all of them, but I just saw the Ahsoka trailer. It looked pretty cool, so we'll probably do that yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So podcastica.com, yeah. Cool. Um, what do you think of this episode in general? I liked it. I knew right away that it was probably going to be kind of polarizing because it had cameos that stood out, you know, and sure, sure. it was on the goofier side and uh, especially like the droid bar. I, I knew people were either going to love that or hate it. I wasn't so sure I love that myself, actually. But the episode as a whole, I liked the detective mystery format. You know, I thought that worked really well and interspersed with some action. It felt almost kind of Batman-y or something. Um, I really liked the planet plus year 15. I thought it had some really cool, varied environments and things that we haven't totally seen before. And I thought it was super imaginative, all the little details and stuff. So overall, I thought it was it was good. I mean, I'm kind of adjusting my... Um, expectations for the show as the season goes along you know i really dug andor a lot but i think that's more mm -hmm. of uh for the parents and this is more for the parents to watch with the kids sure sure i can see that uh i actually like this episode quite a bit too um oh, good. one of my favorites for the season so far it has some interesting ideas i really liked the concept i guess of them trying to reprogram the the battle droids through this drink this nepenthe stuff they were talking about uh that was a cool idea not sure it could actually mm -hmm. ever work in the real world but whatever this is Star i mean Wars, i've right? been reprogrammed through drink before so i kind of 
I get it. Right? I was definitely thinking, okay, what are they what are they getting at here? Like this is uh <laughs> it, it, if if you look up Nepenthe, you find out some some stuff about it uh from like history. Uh and just like uh, it's a fictional drink that was meant to be like a cure for sorrow, right? Um so you you put it in a bar situation and yeah, we we might talk about that when we get there. Um but I thought that was really cool. Like you, I thought um generally Plazier was was neat. I didn't have a huge problem with the cameos. Um, that can be something that's polarizing. You're right. But I don't know. I guess maybe I'm used to seeing Jack Black pop up in weird places. <laughs> and it's been so long since I've seen Christopher Lloyd. I guess I saw him in some horrible, like, eel movie, eel-based horror movie, like, <laughs> of years and years ago. But it's been forever. So... It was cool to see him. Yeah, and he was great. I thought he was great. I heard him on yeah. uh, Mark Marin's WTF maybe a year ago, and he he's just seems like a great guy. He's really getting up there mm-hmm. in age. I don't know how old he is, but I think he's like late yeah. 80s or something like that. Yeah, he's he's real old. We're not going to have him around for much longer, so it was cool to see him on screen. Yeah. Uh, and they're playing with a bunch of different... You know, uh, family friendly, but a little more mature, interesting ideas this season than they have in previous seasons. And this is kind of a continuation of that. This guy being a separatist and like seeing Jack Black's character, uh, Captain Bombardier, I think is his Mm name, um, being sort of promoted and tasked with important things within the New Republic. You know, it's, it's interesting. We've we've kind of seen it through uh, the New Republic's rehabilitation program um, in previous episodes with Alaya and 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 Pershing, Pershing and all those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I dig and, that. And I mean, kind yeah, of they're, they're. I mean, I didn't like the sequel trilogy. I I like things about it, but as time goes on, I yeah. just realize the storytelling wasn't great, in my opinion. It was rushed and and disjointed and you know all kinds of stuff like that but Mm -hmm. that's the time period we're in and they are sort of trying to bridge that gap and maybe that could be a good thing i mean for me i didn't like the prequels at first either but the animated series the clone wars when i finally got around to pushing through that i really enjoyed it and it made the prequel series better it it deepened it and made it make more sense and i feel like this could do that with the sequel trilogy too if they do it right could yeah make they're it definitely trying and, yeah they're trying <laughs> yeah and it's working to some degree i think to some um, degree yeah just seeing it it makes the the new republic government look really stupid but you kind of have to believe that they are in order yeah. to get from here to the sequels right I mean, I think they looked even more stupid in the sequels. Um, so <laughs> sure, sure. They have to like. I mean, they were just absent. They weren't doing anything in the sequels, and yeah, Princess Leia had to come up with her own fighting force because they were like, oh, we don't care, and that was the only explanation we got. So uh-huh. um, now we're at least sort of seeing. Okay, they're overwhelmed and they're just new, so they don't. They're not organized yet, and you know, they're just trying to sort of explain how that could have possibly happened. And, I, and I think fundamentally, like their their decent nature is undermining their attempts to create a new government because they're putting, they're giving people second chances, right? Like the the old yeah. Imperials who did horrible things, but maybe weren't like the leaders and whatnot are given uh, places of power here. Like you look at Captain Bombardier, he has been 
put in charge of rehabilitating this planet. And then when he does so, he becomes the leader of that planet. You're taking the people who made this mess in the first place, having them clean it up and putting them back in charge, which is a huge mistake. And maybe Captain Bombardier is a good guy. You never know. But like, certainly Elias seems to have ulterior motives, yeah, potentially. Yeah, true. You're right. I, I don't know all that, that much about it, but after apartheid in South Africa, they had the Truth and Reconciliation Commission where they had everybody talk about what they went through and the good guys and the bad guys. And there was a lot of amnesty granted with that, too. And I think mm -hmm. in general, it's considered a success um, sure. versus just throwing everyone in jail. Uh, so I don't know if I agree. It's a total mistake. I think probably there's a lot of people who are part of the empire that were just um they didn't really have much of a choice then again you start thinking mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. the nazis and that whole thing about i was just following orders so it's complicated right. <laughs> De definitely and i like that they're playing with those ideas because that is like the more mature part of the storytelling they're doing here for sure it, it, it could be you know just baby grogu and mando shooting things week after week but this stuff is actually more interesting to me so hmm. So why, I mean, why I, like I feel like the show has lost focus, but it is more interesting in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. So I, I kind of miss that focus, too. But um, yeah, it is kind of fun to think about the kinds of things that we were just talking about, too. Sure. Uh, anyway, so all that is to say, I like this episode. Why <laughs> don't we get into the recap? Yeah. This is the ad break. We will return. I have spoken. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We're just under a month to go until Badass Fest 6. Each year, we take the blockbuster month of July to celebrate the 80s and 90s action stars we grew up with. Big guns, big muscles, bigger explosions. If it's dumb, fun, and kicking ass, we love it. This year, we're inviting you to our hometown to watch a secret badass film with us. Afterwards, we'll record the podcast. Get your tickets and full event info at baldmove.com slash live. No hints about the movie, except we're pretty sure most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be a real crowd pleaser. Our neighborhood theater features a full bar, all your favorite snacks, and we'll be providing some custom movie-themed cocktails. It's happening Friday, June 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the Queen City, Cincinnati. Get full details and tickets now at baldmove.com slash live. And hey, if you'll be in town on Saturday and have an appetite for outdoor adventure, join Aaron on an optional side quest as he guides a group of intrepid bald move kayakers down our national scenic river, the Little Miami. Once again, get full details on all main and side quests and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live. This podcast is in your care. Welcome back to Tribe of Two. All right, we start off with some Quarins headed to Trask. Uh, they run into an Imperial ship. 
turns out to be under the control of the Mandos. They're looking for a Viceroy's son who the captain ran away with. And this this kid doesn't... I call it a kid. I, he's got to be old enough to be in love with a starship captain. He so. does seem like a kid, though. He does, yeah. He, uh, like, he doesn't want to go with him. So they, yeah. they take him away anyway. But they, they do it without violence, which was nice, I guess. Boring. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the ship looks like something out of Fifth Element, you know? I, I, I'm aware that it's a Quarren ship, and it just yeah. looks like that. But, like, that's well, the vibe I get. Yeah, you're right. It is well. So the Quarren and the and the Calamari are both from the same planet, Moncala, and yeah. they have a history of fighting each other. So it's kind of Romeo and Juliet story. But um, totally. I think this ship is kind of in the same style as some of the Rebel big giant fleet ships that we saw in the original trilogy. Which maybe that's mm-hmm. because they're from the same planet too. We saw these calamari like uh akbar you know in there so it might be sort of the same design ethos i guess yeah it was kind of surprising to see the you know axe woves uh crew here with an imperial ship that was interesting Um, well that's because they've been going around uh stealing these ships you know like we saw in season two they took moff gideon's ship after um mando handed grogu over to Luke Skywalker. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so that's what they've been doing. They've been trying to get a fleet together to retake Mandalore, but then uh, I guess after Bo-Katan didn't get the Darksaber, her crew mm-hmm. got disillusioned and just took all the ships and decided to become mercenaries. So you actually see on that planet, I think you see Moff Gideon's ship on Plaza 15 and also another ship. Nice. Remember the episode where the Imperial officer uh, bit into some like space cyanide to kill himself? Uh-huh. That ship too is one of the ones that they commandeered. Uh, it seems like this is the, the day before they're going to protect Plazir. Because um, they, they mentioned, we've got a contract we got to get to. We don't have time for this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You mean yeah, the they'll end up there. Yeah. And that's kind of just like the setup for what Axe Wolves is out there doing. And then right. we get um, Bo, Mando, Grogu, R5, uh, all flying to Plazir 15, where Axe Wolves Mandalorian fleet is docked. They get wait, scanned wait, wait, as they arrived. I'm curious, before, yeah. what did you think of these two, this interspecies moment of tenderness? I mean, I liked it. I I don't know. You mentioned it was very Romeo and Juliet. What is there yeah. something I shouldn't like about it? No, no. It, to me, it was just like it was interesting because it was kind of weird <laughs> to see a fish and a squid uh-huh. in love. But then when her tendrils kind of caressed his cheeks, I was like, "Oh, that's actually kind of nice." <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's so, wrong with uh, two aquatic you love species being love. in love? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just curious I, I, I'm curious who this Viceroy is uh, that, that this is the son of because I don't know if this is ever going to come back it probably won't it's probably yeah, just I don't up, know but, yeah 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 because it did it, seem it, like oh wait he's the, uh, the, their love got disrupted that feels like an interruption in their story but yeah who knows if we'll ever see what happens yeah probably not, not. anyway so we're over on Plazier 15 uh, they land they get scanned they're automatically taken to the leaders of the planet, which is kind of a, a digression of their mission. 
Yeah, they just take over the ship. I that was a problem I had. Like, okay, you can just like remotely take over control of Bo-Katan's ship. Apparently. I mean, that why seems doesn't dangerous. anyone do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um and we haven't involved the other Mandalorians yet, so it's not like they were doing it. It seems like mm-hmm. something Plazier can do themselves. Uh, we get we get a glimpse of the Hyperloop, which seems cool. I, I was starting to worry that we might get, instead of a Jack Black cameo, an Elon Musk cameo at that point. <laughs> well, there's actually a Tenacious D song about, uh, you know, Jack Black's band, about uh-huh. just busting up a town and then rebuilding it. And it there's a line that says, you yeah. know, we'll travel in tubes or something like that. So <laughs> yes. I don't know if that inspired this, probably. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, I don't know. The technology here was very cool. I liked seeing this city. Me too. Can you, the G- can you answer me something? The biggest dome I've ever seen that ever existed. Oh, yeah. Probably. <laughs> uh, can you maybe fill in my knowledge on this? When I think, and it comes down to like Navarro, the most confusing planet slash city in all of Star yeah. Wars. When they are naming Plazir or Plazir 15, are they talking about the planet or are they talking about the city? Because I never know with these. I, I think it's the planet, but I think, yeah, like... <laughs> well, Navarro is super invading weird. Navarro, and they're taking over the whole planet, but it's just this one magistrate with his 30 townspeople. I just feel like that's a Star Wars thing where, you know, a, a planet and, and its city are almost the same thing, and you're not supposed to think about it too hard. Yeah, but not always. That's the confusing thing, right? Like Tatooine has Mos Espa, Mos Eisley. It's got all these different cities. And the same with Navarro. Like we've seen uh, in The Mandalorian, we've seen other cities on Navarro, but they call the city Navarro. At some point, I think it was in the Book of Boba Fett, they had like a holographic holographic image of Tatooine and I'm making a ball with my hands right now and you see like one of the cities is on one side and one's like way over here in the other Uh hemisphere and it's like how big is this planet you know yeah it's very confusing seem really small and I I -hmm. kind of feel like it's sort of a a literary not literary but just a, a thing they don't want us to think too much about gotcha and map it to it, it, how it would actually be <laughs> sure sure because I, mean, I think Plazir is the whole planet I think it's supposed to be the whole planet I think you're right yeah and we don't know that there are other cities on this planet this might be the only one yeah right. um, so it could make sense anyway they find Jack Black playing Captain Bombardier they find Lizzo playing the Duchess they're partying it up with all sorts of aliens I um, hope you like secretions <laughs> <laughs> I, I love them I love secretions my favorite. <laughs> Yummy. They take Bo and Mando aside, tell them that the supposedly rehabilitated battle droids in the city are malfunctioning and they need their help to neutralize them. Uh, Jack Black offers to use his influence with the New Republic to get Mandalore recognized as a sovereign system in exchange for their help. Mm-hmm. Bo's not really interested in the exchange, but Mando seems to be interested in a little violence, I guess. So she decides to go along. Yeah, well, I mean... He said, you had me at battle droids. Mm-hmm. And we know that the Mandalorian doesn't like droids. And in particular, these exact models of battle droids who are the ones that killed his parents. Yeah. No, if this season is going to be Bo coming back to the Mandalorian way, it's also going to be just as much 
Mando coming to terms with droids, I think. Like, I, I wonder what this IG-11 stuff is going to look yeah. like. Because, obviously, a droid saved his life, right? Um, so, you'd think he might be softening on that view, but this episode definitely doesn't seem like it. And I think they're doing that intentionally. Remind us, hey, he hates droids. Uh, next episode, give us some droid stuff where the droids are saving him or where, like, they repair IG-11 and he gets to talk to a droid for a while uh to, to to soften his view on him yeah well i mean it, it it feels like over the course of the series he has softened he took on um r5 d4 mm-hmm. and yeah he made friends with ig11 and everything so but now uh, yeah i guess i i could understand seeing droids who are being aggressive and assaulting people and it's the very model that killed his parents would reawaken some of that hatred and yeah, man, oh, they yeah. gotta pick up that IG eleven thing. It can't just be a throwaway that never gets <laughs> talked about again, right? That's no that would be ridiculous. That I would heard be you super. guys saying they've been focusing. I didn't even notice, but when they're on Navarro, they still focus on the statue sometimes. Uh huh. Yeah, that's out there. So hopefully, which they haven't means... even bothered to reassemble. I think that's hilarious. Uh, it, it's just a mess. Yeah, it's just like legs now, legs and mm. maybe an arm sticking off a bar or something. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so apparently they, the people of Navarro don't care much, but I think Mando does. We'll, we'll see. And now he's got two avenues of, of sort of resurrecting IG-11. You could either go with the Azelans or you can go with mm-hmm. the Ugnaughts, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah, we thought maybe um, when he was, because this was such a droid-heavy episode, that he would have picked up that memory chip that he was looking for during this episode, but we didn't see that. Apparently not. So this is where we get into kind of some of the stickier stuff where I'm like, okay, how how into the New Republic is Jack Black? Um, how much Imperial, I guess, ideology is still rambling around in his head? Uh, he's He's following the letter of the law here, but he's sort of breaking it in spirit with hiring these bandos. Okay, they can't come in the city and we can't we can't have anybody here armed unless the people have kind of sanctioned it through, uh, you know, the the general idea that people are a plurality and we can't disrespect their culture. And so you're allowed to carry your weapons in here. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's finding little loopholes in the law to get things done his way. And it, it, it just worries me. It just worries me. That's that, I love that because... I had just been thinking of that, like there's they're talking about these Coruscant Accords, so you're not allowed to have the standing army come within the city limits, and or in part because he used to be an imperial, and but they're going to let Bo-Katan and the Mandalorian bring their weapons in because of this multiculturalism ethos or whatever. I thought that was all just the writers jumping through hoops to make it make sense why these people would need. Mandalorian and Bo-Katan to do their work for them. And so mm-hmm. I considered it a bit of, uh, not really a weakness in the writing, but just something you have to kind of, you know, suspend your disbelief on. But now you're framing it as that this guy, this ex-Imperial is bringing in some of his Imperial ways. And that actually helps the story for me because I, I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but I, I don't quite get why uh, Christopher Lloyd did what he did. And we'll get to that, but I really yeah. am 
interested yep. to hear what you think about that. So maybe that helps explain it if he, cause he's clearly very anti-imperial. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to talk about that when we get to it. Um, I, I mean, the other thing is like, I sort of understand his position here too. Like, yes, he has to jump through or he has to find some of these loopholes because the new Republic is not giving him anything to work with. You know, he's got this utopia here yeah. that they have helped him rebuild, but they're not helping him protect it. And we know there are pirates out there floating around. The new Republic is stretched thin. He needs some form of protection in the outer rim. Where's that going to come from if he can't have an army? So he's got to right. hire these mercenaries. He's in a he's in a tough spot. So I, I think the storytelling here is actually pretty nuanced, and pretty interesting. Yeah, he's he's stuck, and and uh, it's red tape, which is what you always heard yeah. about the the old republic and the new republic, and also. But I would also point out that uh, Lizzo's character, the Duchess, she's totally on board with this too. Uh huh. And she's yeah. you know a native of she's this not planet. an imperial. Not yeah. yeah. No, you're you're right. Um. And they don't really play it as nuanced as I'm trying to make it here. <laughs> Jack Black's kind of just like, yeah, we're having a great old time and we've got one problem. Let's solve it. Yeah. Uh, so the head of security, Christopher Lloyd, shows Bo and Mando the footage of droids malfunctioning and explains the problem. Uh, I love that footage. It, uh -huh. the, the garbage <laughs> droid just throwing yeah. it everywhere. It might be my son a little bit, yeah. And um, <laughs> the chef droid, you know, tick 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 with his knives, and then that cuts Terrifying. away. And you hear, oh! uh -huh. like, like that. I think I got gory. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Uh, apparently, they can't shut down all the droids on mass, like Bo suggests, because uh, their society depends on them. They've they've yeah. reached this utopia where nobody has to work. They just have droids doing everything for them, and if they shut them down, they're totally helpless. And as um, this guy, Hellgates, his name, Christopher Lloyd, is saying that, he sounds kind of disdainful, but almost like he's trying to hide his disdain about what society has become. And, uh, um, yeah. and so I feel like that's part of why he's upset. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't catch that on first or second watch, actually. I uh, think... Yeah, so they, like I said, they can't shut them down. So their task is going to be to find the rogue droids because not all of them are malfunctioning and destroy them. And so they're sent to the Ugnaughts. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, Mando's pretty sympathetic to this whole thing because he hates droids. And this, he's like, I, I don't know if they've talked about this before him and Bo, but he's like, see, you see what happens when you rely on droids. Uh, yeah. When he's, yeah, you can't reason with them. <laughs> is, is this something that they've, that has been a point of contention between him and Bo? Cause I don't remember it. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, if we haven't seen it on screen, I could still believe that, it's come up in conversation, you know, if you're hanging oh, around sure. him long enough, you know, he has an attitude about it. Traveling through hyperspace, trying to get to the outer rim and you're just yeah. like, oh, how do we kill four hours? To talk about, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, they go to see the Ugnaughts who really just completely ignore Bo. Uh, and then Mando speaks right. up, talks to him like Ugnaughts, invokes Quill's name and gets him to pay attention. Uh, yeah, I like sit this, down. this sort of buddy cop <laughs> vibe, you know, where... He's good in some situations, but he's testy with the droids and she's better there. Oh, yeah, totally. It's kind of kind of fun. 
Yeah, and, and pulling on their history, uh, specifically Mando's history here with Queel, I think is yeah. is nice turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Ugnots are, you know, pretty proud worker uh, class species. They don't want to believe that their droids are malfunctioning, but they yeah. give Mando the locations of them anyway. And they're like, they're interesting. They're just like, they decide something. I mean, they're, the writers really took that whole I have spoken thing and just made it deeply ingrained in their personality where they'll decide yeah. something that's utter BS and just say it as a fact and then close the door on any further conversation. I know some people like that. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Those people <laughs> exist. Uh, it really, hmm. It, it really doesn't provide much opportunity for experience expanding your mind yeah but mando knows that if he just reframes it and makes them mm. able to save face that he can get what he wants yeah flatter them give them give them ways out of uh you know a loophole finding loopholes in their culture in some weird yeah. way right it's a lesson for everyone listening find yeah. the loopholes yeah <laughs> Uh, so the next event apparently is going to be at the loading docks. So they go there to look around. Uh, it does make me wonder if they're not malfunctioning, how can they track the ones they think will be problems? You know? Yeah. Because the, uh, yeah, the Ugnots gave them a list of, of malfunctioning droids, right? Right. So they know they're malfunctioning. And but then they say they they're said not they thought there would be an issue at the loading dock, but we didn't uh, we didn't hear why they thought that. So you're right; it doesn't totally make sense. And then they had to go, and they they somehow knew that there was a malfunctioning droid there, but they couldn't pinpoint which one. You'd think they would be able to just know the model number. I mean, the like serial number or whatever. But it yeah, was more interesting yeah, I mean, fun to see Mando kicking a bunch of them. I kind of love that. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. That's pretty funny. Uh, I, I just wonder how like the Ugnots can be so, I guess, internally inconsistent, right? Like, well, there's no malfunctioning droids, but here's a list of malfunctioning droids. That, yeah, and, and the next likely place that it'll happen. That's just really weird. It it is. Oh, that bothers me so much. But anyway, that ma- scene uh, where he's like kicking uh-huh. on the the battle droids. Um, Apparently, that's right out of Will Smith's iRobot movie. He did the same oh. thing. He was just like pushing on him, and then one of them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he had to chase one of them. Yeah, totally. I didn't think about that, but you're right. Uh, yeah, so they, they he's he's gets one to fight him. They run after it as it runs away. Um, that was a great moment. Just It just whacks him right across the helmet. Clank! And then takes yeah. off running. That was exciting. And then go, runs right out into the like neon line streets with all the people gasping. I, I do always wonder why the Mandos don't use their jetpacks like ever, even when it makes a ton of sense. Like, Bo has a jetpack. She probably could have caught this droid by just boosting with that. Um, yeah. That's a good point. She was using it just to hop over stuff, which was kind of neat, but good point. Why not just yeah. jet right after him? Um, anyway, they they catch up to this droid. They destroy it. Um, Bo finds a spark pad on it with an address for something called the resistor. I assume uh, that's a business card. It seems like it. I've never heard the term spark pad. I don't know if this no. is a Star Wars thing from cartoons or something, but I think it's hmm. brand new. 
Okay. Yeah. Seems like a business card. Why, why do droids need business cards? Why, why do droid bars specifically need business cards? They have memory modules, right? It's not like they're not going to remember where they were. Maybe it's a memento. There you go. It's like taking a matchbook from a bar, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's like they can use it to spark something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was wor- worried at this point, like, what are these people going to think? You know, surely some of them will see what's happening with the droids, see it uh, causing so much chaos and start to fear the droids that are effectively making their society function. Yeah. And this would that's cause what problems. was kind of thrilling about it to see. That's kind of why I like that sequence where uh, the security guy was showing the footage of all the droids malfunctioning because it's kind of horrific. It is. Yeah. And I'm thinking if I'm a citizen and I start to question like, okay, what is this, you know, robot that's, it's like the animatrix or something, right? What is this robot that's living in my house uh, doing all my chores for me? actually thinking is it going to go rogue yeah. one day and start like shaking my baby like it's a trash can or something <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know uh i always thought it was cute but kind of weird in a practical sense that all the droids and star wars have such personality and can be really annoying like c3po like mm-hmm. do you really want that um but now that i've been playing around with uh like chat gpt and bing and everything <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're just like that sometimes. They sure. Be at, they do you guys swear on this podcast? Oh yeah. Okay. So they they bullshit you. They uh, they gaslight. It's it's really mm-hmm. entertaining. I find it. I couldn't. I couldn't. Can't believe some of the stuff I've heard from these things. And it makes me feel like okay, droids are coming, just like the ones in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> no. I. I mean, it it is a reflection of us, right? It's ingesting what we are and then trying to emulate it and spit it out. So it is very much just like we are and we do Mm -hmm. all of those things. It's an interesting question about this whole society that decided not to work anymore, except for some essential jobs that I guess all the Ugnots do and some administration and security and stuff. But for the most part, they just live lives of leisure and let the droids do all the work and Mm -hmm. to think about whether we're going to need to do something like that and have a like a universal basic income so that people can sustain themselves because oh, yeah. AI and, and robots are more and more just going to take over more and more jobs. Yeah. And as they get better and better at stuff, um, yeah. they're, they're more efficient at it. They're, they're cheaper, they're stronger, they're faster, they're smarter. It's like, yeah, uh, they'll eventually replace us. I, I actually liked um, the conversation that they have with the bartender sort of about this, right? Like how are the droids going to feel about being put to work so that we don't have to. And in this world that they've created, the droids seem grateful for existing and they believe that we ask so little of them that it's worth the trade-off existing and, and serving us. If in their off time, they can go to the bar and just hang out and chat, right? Have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about just the existence of a droid bar at all? Did you just accept that right away or not right away? About it? No, I, when, when they mentioned like lubrication, I was like, OK, may, you know, instead of having like workshops where the droids go each week f- to have what another droid 
fill them up with oil or whatever. Um, yeah, just have a bar where they get they oil themselves, you know? Yeah. And then you learn that they're actually getting some programming from the mainframe or whatever through this. Right. So that helps to make sense a little bit. But it did feel like a social environment. So there's totally. that aspect to it that maybe they have some social needs. I, I mean, which at this point I was, I was spiraling down the like, what is this episode trying to say? You know, it's, it's <laughs> Nepenthe is this, this balm, the, the, this salve to, to help cure sorrow. And like, they're drinking their problems away and that they're uh-huh. the working class who are forced to do they're labor a day in a day out while we sit around and, and do nothing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like spiraling. I'm going, Oh boy, what are they, right. what are they doing here? It's so this show's so interesting because it's really trying to um carry a few different tones all at once, you know, be a kid's yeah. show, but then have us thinking about these things when you think a little bit about it, it seems really dark. <laughs> yeah, I I'm actually I have been more impressed with Mando this season than the previous two because they have done oh, cool. less kid stuff in my opinion. You know, they mm. they have like the the fight scenes which I think have not been flawless, but have been decent. Um, but in previous seasons, it was all like, look how cute baby Grogu is. Uh, yeah. Let's go on a side mission. None of this stuff really connects in any important way. In this season, they've done a lot more to connect the world, make make it feel like they're headed somewhere instead of just like stalling for time or, or just having fun side adventures. I, I'm liking this season a lot more than the previous two. That's great. Good to hear. Uh, Yeah, for me, I like it. I like some things about it more and some things less. But overall, I'm still digging the show. We have to rid this planet of enemy sorcerers. We'll be right back. Hey, the boys are back in town. Just in time to heat up summer, our favorite blood-soaked, darkly humorous deconstruction of the superhero mythos returns on Amazon Prime Video. Boys Season 4 gets started on June 13th, but we'll get the drop on them with our preseason preview coverage the week before. It's been a while. Lots happened since last season. Two whole years, labor dispute, that kind of thing. But we'll be catching you up on all the major plot points and character beats as we left things off. Plus, we'll be looking at the trailers and latest news to piece together what to expect. I know one thing to expect. Right off the bat, they're dropping three debut episodes for the premiere. Woo! But otherwise, who knows? Will Gus Fring reveal why he has absolutely no fear of Homelander? And while we're on that topic, will Butcher and the boys figure out a way to stop Christian nationalist Superman? Will those crazy kids, Monster Man and Starlight, find a way to make things work? Come laugh, cry, and maybe even throw up in your mouth a little with us as we discover the answers for ourselves this season of The Boys. Find it by searching for the Department of Homelander Security wherever you listen to podcasts, or subscribe to Ball Move Pulp to get all our coverage of sci-fi, fantasy, and superheroic entertainment. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. The first of the summer shows to hit our calendar begins next week, so it's time for us to talk about The Boys. Join us for the Season 4 Preview Podcast this Thursday to see if The Boys can continue to delight and disgust. This is normally where we tell you about what's going on with the latest Prestige podcast. Unfortunately, due to the very hectic nature of our summer lineup, we decided to move Prestige to an every other week release schedule. That means no Prestige podcast this week. We'll be back with more Prestige covered soon. Don't forget about the bear. 
You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well... Watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R. R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. The Beskar belongs to the Mandalorians. This podcast belongs to you. Here's more Tribe of Two. Anyway, we've kind of already talked uh, a little bit about this scene, but they go to the droid bar. Bo asks Mando to let her do the talking here. She asks the bartender droid what they know about the spark pad. Mando gets impatient, threatens the bartender. Um, and the bartender tells him the droids are worried they'll be replaced by humans and they want to help them solve the case. Which is a fun little twist. The robots are afraid of being replaced by humans. I like that. Uh, right, right. <laughs> uh, the definite parallels to modern day. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about the obvious cantina reference here? I liked it. It worked for you? Yeah. Okay. So she came in, what they said, uh, Mando said, they don't see too many of our kind here. Yeah. Which is like when C-3PO and R2-D2 stepped into the cantina and they said, we don't serve your kind here. Right. It was something that like wasn't, it wasn't one-to-one, which I appreciated. It wasn't yeah, like the droids exactly. turn around and say, we don't serve your kind here. Um, yeah. It, I think they, they twisted it just enough for me to be like, okay, that was fun. Exactly. I felt the same. Uh, like I said, we kind of talked about this already. Um, so let's move over to the droids explaining that they only serve Nepenthe at the bar, which is a fluid that helps keep the droids programming in line. And the malfunctioning droids all drink from the same batch. Hmm. Suspicious. And then we're going to go over to a lab where Bo and Mando are taken to the remains of a malfunctioning droid. Tests are conducted. Some rogue particles are detected. And the droid in the room starts firing lasers at him. So Mando destroys it. Yeah, that was a great sequence. And that droid, it looks like the same model of droid as the torture droid from Star Wars that, you know, Moff yeah. Tarkin used to torture Leia, except it's white, but it has that syringe and everything and it makes the same sound. Uh-huh. Yeah, seems like they, they had a style <laughs> there in yeah. the Empire. And, and, you know, it makes sense, like, if they're repurposing a bunch of battle droids, that they'd be repurposing these torture droids for lab work. Um, yeah. Robot autopsies. Uh-huh. So they find out that the particles inside of uh, this fluid are actually nanodroids. They find chain codes written on them. 
and see that they came in via a requisition by the head of security, which is actually illegal. Uh, and that's the Hellgate dude, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, he didn't do a good job of covering his tracks. No, I wonder if he just didn't know that they had chain codes written on him. Yeah, maybe. He did, he's like not that detail-oriented or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll we'll go confront Hellgate now. He realizes the jig is up. He hovers his hand over the switch that's going to turn all droids back into battle droids. And he starts talking about how Count Dooku was right. Uh, <laughs> Bo realizes he's a separatist, electrocutes him, and he's arrested. Yeah, and so I don't know if people remember, but the separatists were a group of planets that decided to go against the New Republic because they felt like they weren't getting enough resources and it was corrupt and they just had a bunch of complaints and uh, Dooku was the head of them, but he was actually in league with Palpatine to create more tension between the separatists and the New Republic in order to start war so that Palpatine mm -hmm. could have excuses to claim more power. And then Dooku thought that the point was to have the separatists lose. It was, but then he would come and rule the galaxy beside Palpatine. Uh, so um, clearly this security guy, Hellgate, doesn't know the truth about any of that. And also mm -hmm. he said that uh, Dooku was killed by a Jedi enforcer. That's Anakin, which we saw in, uh, uh, what was the last one? Revenge of the Sith, where he took those tool two blades and uh, beheaded Dooku at uh -huh. you know Palpatine's urging. So that also says that uh, he called him a Jedi enforcer. I think at this point, people don't realize that Anakin became Darth Vader. People don't realize that. Oh my god! Yeah, I, there's a book called Bloodlines that comes later in the timeline, and um, it tells how a senator revealed that Leia was Darth Vader's daughter. Leia's all, you know also a senator, and that's what caused her son who was going by Ben Solo at the time to become disillusioned and start down the path to the d dark side and become Kylo Ren. And so that sort of the fact of who Darth Vader was coming out was kind of one of the main things that spurred on the first order, I guess, at least according to this novel. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't read any of the new, uh, expanded universe stuff. No, I've read the cliff notes. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so here's where I, I start to question, like, why would a Separatist be here doing this thing right now? Start to have problems with it. Because if he's a Separatist, yeah. he's on the wrong planet. This planet is already separated. Uh, That's right, yeah. They're independent. Right. So why is he messing with this planet, with these droids? Is this a, maybe a test? Is this, well, we're testing out the function. I, I want to live in a place that is independent. And so he's living here doing his job and he's also working with the other separatist factions um, in order to test out some battle droid technology they can use on other planets or what? I mean, at this point, the separatists have lost and totally the, the empire came into power, but then was defeated and the new Re republic rose up. I guess, yeah, maybe there is still a separatist, um, you know, dissatisfaction with 
the new republic just like with the old republic but sure. i don't get the sense of that here that he's like working with other people for some purpose i just i mean it's a little bit later but when they confront him he said something about not liking jack black you know it was all about what his presence, I think, is the main reason why he's doing this, but I don't quite understand why. Is it just because he's an ex-Imperial and this yeah. guy hates anything related to Imperial? But I do feel like it also has to do with the droid situation, which I think Jack Black helped institute there. I love that mm -hmm. we just call him Jack Black. But, um, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. he, like I said, it, when he was talking about that in the first place, he sounded kind of disdainful of it. So, but I, yeah. I, I don't know if the episode really gives us a clear reason why he did it. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. And I like that it's, it's kind of messy, right? Cause like it's kind of a gag throughout the episode where Jack Black is like, Oh yeah, I reprogrammed them myself. I, yeah, saw, I, I oversaw the whole program, and it's, it's flawless. Fine. But yeah. obviously, they're malfunctioning, so it can't be. But but then we find out that you know they were intentionally sabotaged. So the programming did actually work. It's not yeah. like he doesn't need to be so defensive. It, <laughs> fair, fair, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know what Lloyd's thing is. Maybe yeah, you're right. He just doesn't like the fact that an ex-imperial is running this planet using ex-imperial technology. Yeah. So, I don't know, we'll see. I feel like maybe, that should have been more. made clearer because, uh, you know, we <laughs> just podcasted about this yesterday, uh, my two co-hosts and I, neither, none of us really knew for sure either. Okay. Um, it, there's more interesting, like, nuanced stuff that I'm trying to pick out of this episode, you know, to say, hmm, okay. So we've seen, like, the imperial dignitary, let's say Jack Black, um, who's the guy that you would be looking at saying, I'm worried that if he rises to power here, he's going to be some kind of dictator. He's going to, he's going to, you know, reinforce imperial philosophies. Um, and that's going to be very bad, but he doesn't seem to be doing that. And then you've got this other guy um, who is like an ex military or, or not ex military, but he's, he's, currently like part of what I would consider the military on this planet, uh, the head of security. And he's the mm -hmm. guy you got to watch out for. You got to watch out for the militant people. Um, and maybe the episode is trying to do something with that or, or like they got the one bad apple. Now everything's going to be okay. Right. And it, it's, it's not that easy. You can't just take the Christopher Lloyd out of the security force and then think that he hasn't influenced everybody else or they're not sympathetic to his ideas as well. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, I, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here. I don't think they're really going for that stuff, but I'm trying to tease it all out. I mean, to me, it would, I really feel like having a better understanding of why he did that would help inform any discussion about the nuances of it, you know? Totally. Um, but yeah. as far as like Bombardier, Jack Black's character, at least the way they played it, he's, he's a good guy. So either he's mm -hmm. actually a good guy or he's a good actor. The character is a good actor because yeah. he just seems like he's wants what's best. He's glad to be a part of the amnesty program and he just wants to um, do a good job, you know? And why wouldn't you that's, be happy? That's what it seems I mean, like, yeah. Droids are doing all the work for you. You're partying it up all day. You're eating <laughs> extravagant meals. You're playing uh, extravagant games. Just having Married a good time. Married to Lizzo. That seems like uh -huh. fun. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, she seems great. Uh, all right, let's go to Bo Mando uh, taking Hellgate to Jack Black and Lizzo, who exile him to the moon. As a reward, they give Bo and Mando the key to Plazier and an audience with their Mando mercenaries. Mm-hmm. And Lizzo First also we makes see Grogu, Grogu a helping Lizzo cheat at some game, right? He, he's hmm. he's got sketchy morals, Baby Yoda. I would say eating lady frogs eggs (laughs) (laughs) let me ask you this is he helping her cheat or is he helping her achieve something that only the greatest players in the history of the game could achieve because i'm not certain that everybody isn't in on this and cheering them because they're able to do it together i don't think so i because uh i the, the husband said something like wow you're really on a streak today oh true that implies he doesn't understand what's happening i think so yeah does she it's understand? Cute. Does she know? I don't know about that. Yeah, maybe not. Probably but not. I, I did enjoy like how um, Grogu really took to her. And there's one point where she's like scratching his head and he kind of purrs. And uh-huh. that's cute. I mean, you have to have when Grogu's not central to an episode and he's not in the middle of the action, you have he always Mando has to find a babysitter. So this yep. is the way to do it this time. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. Uh, I, I do want to see her play this game tomorrow uh, when Grogu is not like... there. I want to see how good she is at a base level. Like, th- is this way outside her wheelhouse or is this? Right. How? Yeah. I want to take Grogu to a pool hall. <laughs> sure. Hustle. <laughs> hustle the whole crowd. Uh, yeah. So on the ride over, Mando asks Bo what the play is. She says, well, we'll know when we get there. And they arrive, and her play is apparently to challenge Axe to a fight. He accepts, and she wins, but she doesn't have the Darksaber, so they don't want to follow her still. And then Mando steps up, tells him the story about how she already earned it by saving him and taking it back. Um, mm-hmm. The Mandos agree that it belongs to her, so Mando gives it to her. Uh, this is kind of what I was wondering when it happened. Um you know, Mando was captured mm-hmm. and the Darksaber was taken from him and then Bo takes the Darksaber from that person, kills them. Um, and I was wondering, okay, does that constitute her taking it from Mando? Is she a technically the rightful owner of it now? Apparently the show is telling us yes. That's exactly what yeah. happened. But they didn't think about it until now. It, but, uh, yeah, Bo and, and Mando didn't, right? Mando. And um, I actually, it. I enjoyed it. I, I thought... Because I thought last week, I'm like, okay, uh, the armor's telling Bo-Katan, you know, you you need to unite us. And they didn't mention the Darksaber. And I'm like, what about the Darksaber? That's been a big plot point. Are they just going to drop that? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they brought it back into it. And they had uh, one of Bo-Katan's people, because they're really the ones who are sticklers on this whole thing, be the one to press the point. Um, mm-hmm. And then to reveal that, okay, yeah, that scene that we, like you, I kind of wondered about it too, uh, was actually fair, fair game. Uh, somebody defeated Mando and then she defeated that somebody. And that was a really great scene, by the way, too, where she just cuts right through the bottom of that big cyborg robot. Oh, beast. Yeah. So um, I found it pretty, pretty satisfying way to resolve that whole thing and then when she handed it over or he handed it over to her it was a it was a good moment yeah i I think they found their they they found the best way out of that right like okay Mm -hmm. bo clearly needs to end up with this saber but mando has it the only way to get it from him is to win in battle well they don't 
nobody wants to see them fight, right? I know. I wondered if they were going to fight for a second there. I, I did too, yeah. On the grass, um, yeah. So, so I think this was the best way out. And I appreciate the fact that they had already set it up and already done it. I mean, yeah. two episodes, three episodes it's ago or clever, whatever it was. Yeah. And now it's just revealed that, oh, that's in fact what we did. That thing that you were imagining we did a long time ago. We actually mm-hmm. did it. So now it sets up the final two episodes to be the retaking of Mandalore, I guess. Uh, she's got her fleet. She's got the dark saber. She's mm-hmm. the leader, but I'm, my questions are, why do they need a fleet to retake an abandoned planet? Mm-hmm. And also, isn't it kind of like all crystallized? Uh, so, yeah, where are they going to grow food? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe they'll terraform it or something. Sure. I mean, this is Star Wars. They have all kinds of crazy tech. They can just make up anything they want. Yep. But uh, I don't I did understand think it... why they need to retake it. Like, it seems like no one cares about it at this point. Maybe it's it's a defense, you know. Once they once mm, they set up shop there, it. they need a the way to defend themselves. Um, okay, yeah. So, and I, I also kind of hope that um, that is resolved by the end of the season, and we move on to something completely different for season four. Yeah, I can't imagine I what that's going to be. I assume it's going to be more know. like New Republic fall to um, mm. to whatever it is, but. A bunch of new announcements came out at uh, Star Wars Celebration today. Did you see any of that? Uh, the Filoni movie and yeah. uh, Ahsoka's trailer, yeah. So there's going to be a Dave Filoni movie that takes place. It's like the culmination of the whole Mandoverse stuff, mm-hmm. mostly about the New Republic. So f- first time Dave Filoni will have directed a live action movie. And uh, I'm curious about it. Did they say when that's coming out? Because I'm just curious if it's going to be after another season or two of Mando or if it's going to be soon. Yeah, I don't think they really said when. I also know that they've announced several Star Wars projects that then went away, like the whole um, Benioff and Weiss movie. and Oh, right. The Lindelof even, um, one. Brian, yeah. Lind, well, the, yeah. So uh, what was the other one? Uh Taika Waititi was supposed to do one. They didn't mention anything right. about that this time. There was going to be the Rogue Squadron movie. So we'll see if any of these happen. But you mentioned Lindelof. Now, he was supposed to write a movie that takes place after The Rise of Skywalker. And that movie was announced today, too. It's uh, Ray is the lead, you know, Ray from the sequel trilogy. Uh-huh. But it's new writers. Lindelof is off the project. I guess he wrote a draft and they didn't like it. Interesting. I'm kind of glad. I mean, Lindelof is very hit or miss for me, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, there's something that where I just don't want him writing any Star Wars. What do you think? I, yeah, I, I was definitely, so, so I was eager to see what he would come up with because yeah, I really curious. love his stuff. I, but his stuff doesn't seem to be a great fit for Star Wars. I kind of think that too. And but I'm not it, saying he can't do something more. Star- right, right, right. <laughs> Which is so when I heard the news, I was kind of like, all right, that's probably for the best. But I also wanted to give him the chance to do something mm. that I view was more in line with Star Wars and less Lindelof. But but I, I like what Lindelof does. So I really didn't want to see that without the Lindelof in it. You know, I, I was torn yeah. on the whole project to begin with. Yeah. 
Uh, here's the other thing that I thought immediately when Mando hands over the Darksaber. What if they ask for a demonstration of her skills to prove that she's the leader? Because I think about the first time Mando tried to wield the Darksaber, and it would just mm-hmm. be absolutely hilarious. She wouldn't even be able to lift the thing, right? No, she's good with it. What are you talking about? Is she good she, with it? Yeah, she killed that cyborg robot, remember, in the Minds of Mandalore? She was a badass. Oh, yeah. I guess she did she, have the Darksaber before, she, right? She knew how to use it, yeah. And she's okay. had it before in the hist- in like the Clone Wars right, right. series and also in Rebels. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen those. Yeah. Probably need to go watch those at some point. I hear Ooh. they're good. I mean, Rebels is leading right into Ahsoka. It's all the same characters and everything, and it's also shorter, so mm-hmm. that would probably be a good one to watch. It's a good series. All right. Cool. Well, that's it for the episode. Uh, got any closing thoughts or... Um, I would say that uh, we need to talk about the Bantha in the room. No, I'm just kidding. There, there's no... <laughs> I don't right. have any closing thoughts. Thanks for having me on. It was fun to talk about. It yeah, was different. No you, you had a different um, view on it than my other two co-hosts, but I'm glad you liked it. It's more fun yeah. to talk about something that you're into. Yeah, and that's not always been the case with Mandalorian, but sure. yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this season a bit more. Cool. So, all right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, if people want to write in and give us feedback, you can do so at mando at baldmove.com. Uh, we're going to get to some feedback here, I think, when Aaron gets back, um, maybe the end of the season. Who knows? But until then, I'm Jim, and this is Jason. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.